Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dom Ditola, with my other co-host... Chris Quinn. And today we uh, have another basketball episode prepared. Yeah. So it's going to be a good one. Another uh, of these stars when I grew up, I feel like. Uh, yeah. I had this guy on my wall, just like uh, Kirby Puckett. Yeah, they were right next to each other. Nice. Yeah, just saying. Uh, so let's get into him. Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, uh, born March 23rd, 1973 in San Francisco, California. Yep. A, uh, quite the standout as a youngster on the basketball court. Yeah, something that I didn't know, actually, is a childhood friend was Gary Payton. Yeah, right. They used to play against each other, you know, because they were obviously great youth basketball players, so they would meet up in all these California, you know. Like AAU or just yes. playing on the street. Yeah. Yes, and, and, he, and Gary said that he used to give Jason a ton of shit when they would play <laughs> against each other, but that's kind of Gary's style. Oh, yeah. Was trash talking, and he said he just would up it for Jason because he knew what a great guard he was, and tried to make him that much better yeah you could see the talent from early on definitely he went to a uh, saint joseph notre dame high school in alameda so like just outside of oakland and uh two-time mr basketball of california in high school yeah so junior and as a senior yeah and they won two state titles his senior year was ridiculous yeah this, he averaged almost a quadruple double like insane yeah those numbers are for a point guard Especially his size. And I think I'm going to reiterate this a lot. Yeah. His is because Magic Johnson is one of those where you're like, oh, yeah, he grabs 10 boards. But Kid like averaged 10 boards like a ton of the seasons in his career. And it's just crazy. He's 6'1. No, no, no. He's like 6'3, 6'3. 6'3. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of normal size, but almost bigger for back in those days. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, 25 points, 10 assists, uh, 7 rebounds, and 7 steals a game. Yeah. That's that, insane. Yeah, great defensive player, too, which I think sometimes gets overlooked, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, I think, five-time defensive, defensive player, player of the year. Yeah. Uh, or all-defense first team, yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so he has he can go to any school that he wants to. I was going to say, all of the top schools are recruiting him. Yeah, um, um, U of A, Kentucky, Kansas, like... Pretty much they're all saying, come here, and then we'll catapult you into the pros. Oh, exactly. Yeah, but uh, he decides to make an odd decision, but one that kind of benefited him and the place that he went to. Yeah, for sure. He chose to go to the University of California. Yeah, which, which had not won the Pac-8, 10, whatever they were calling it, since 1960. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pretty much were a losing program that whole time. Like, they didn't have viable teams at all no they didn't have like stars or anybody no to yeah compete with like the arizonas or the uclas in that conference but they somehow land jason kidd and the team rapidly improves around him well he said he wanted to stay close to home which everybody was expecting him to go to u of a because that's the powerhouse at that time that's close to home point guard you point yeah. guard you exactly uh -huh. and kind of develop him into this point guard that everybody sees that he is but he makes this this really great decision like you were saying like and makes california the university of california a pretty good team for a couple of years you know and he probably figured if he went to cal he could play right away yes like he wouldn't have to sit behind people or not get enough minutes because they put him in the starting lineup right away and how could you not i mean he's obviously their best player for i mean they retired his number there which obviously they should well I yeah i mean he was a uh you know the freshman player of the year yep you know and he took him to the ncaa tournament which was very rare for them at the time. And they end up beating Duke 
in the second round in yep. a huge upset, yeah. mainly because of Jason Kidd yeah. and how good he was. I saw that he pretty much, I think he broke every um, uh, scoring and assist record at California in his second year. So, like, that's how ridiculous he was in this in this team. Oh, yeah, and then his second year he comes back, a first-team All-American, and then he has 16 points a game, 6.9 rebounds, uh, 3.1 steals, and 9.1 assists. Yeah, so he almost averages a triple-double. Yeah. He is this triple-double machine. Oh, he's a triple-double machine in the NBA when yeah. he gets there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Is these, those 10 rebounds must be so important to, you know, a great basketball team. That or even the steals if you get that lucky that night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, crazy. And when he doesn't, he normally has like five steals. So yeah. it's one of these, the the statistics that I love is when people are like, oh, he's a 20 and 10. Yeah, but he has five steals too. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, that's even better. <laughs> But yeah, he's just a stat box filler, pretty yeah. much. Do kind of everything. Shooting, not necessarily known for that at that stage of his career, but just kind of does everything really, really well. Yeah, he definitely was a uh, a driver, a, a a slasher, if you will, more than an outside shooter. Which I think later in his career, he definitely becomes the all around point guard that everybody wants. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, after two seasons at Cal, he's done. I mean, you can obviously tell he's ready for the NBA at like. 20 21 years old yes yeah every everybody can see that that then this is where a little bit of controversy starts is i think a lot of people thought he was going to be the first pick yeah and um, uh-huh. he ended up going number two behind uh glenn robinson big dog <laughs> to the mavs to the dallas mavericks and the mavericks at that time had a couple of key younger players though and uh jim jackson and uh, yep. jamal mashburn and they called themselves the three jays and yep their first season, they actually improved the team by 23 wins. And Kidd was defensive, or not defensive, but co-rookie of the year with Grant Hill. Yeah, he definitely, um, he was the triple-double leader of the NBA in his rookie season. Which is crazy. Yeah. Just crazy to think. So everybody is looking at this Dallas Mavericks team, and they're like, man, they're going to be so great this next year. And it kind of implodes. Oh, it kind of implodes. And rumors are it imploded over Tony Braxton. Yep. Yeah. Did you read that? Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I love those little side notes where you're just like, this is a maybe, but we're pretty sure it definitely happened. Yeah. Um, ap- apparently, the famous singer uh, uh, said no to Kid for a date and then went out the same night with Jim Jackson. And, you know, Mashburn was also hurt early in his career. So just the tension between all of them caused the front office to blow it up before it could do anything. Yeah, they they were too young and they didn't have the the veteran star. So the veterans on the team just couldn't, you know, pretty much corral them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No leadership or anything like that. And yeah. you and you see the from the first season to the second season, it's it's really different. When they're all clicking together, it's a great team. When they're not, they're shit. Oh yeah. They're... So that it's an obvious trade um to get kid out of there because they're they're just so bad. And so the I bet the locker room was just awful. Oh probably. Most definitely. And uh they ship kid out to Phoenix, and he played here for actually a long time. And this is where I used to, because I mean, growing up uh, here in Arizona, you're you're a Suns fan um, sometimes, but um, <laughs> but I had this is where I had him on my on my wall, and this is where pretty much like the the guards of Phoenix were so great, but they never did anything. 
Yeah, right. I mean, the middle 96, 97, he goes to um, uh, Phoenix for Michael Finley, who was a really good player for a long time. Yep. Uh, AC Green, Sam Cassell, and then they sent back Tony Dumas and uh, Lauren Meyer. And Kid is like the centerpiece of it, and he gets to play with Steve Nash. He's getting to play with all of these great well, they're playing like players. a four guard yeah. uh, rotation a lot of the time with Steve Nash and Kevin Johnson and Rex Ch Chamberlain, and they're oh yeah, Rex Chapman, Chapman, mm -hmm. excuse me, and they're pretty much because in this Western Conference we were talking about this is so great at this time, yeah, and they're pretty much having a really good regular season, but can't do anything in the postseason. Yeah, they're winning like 50 games, yeah. and then you run into San Antonio, or you run into, you know, Any Sonics. One of them. Yeah. yeah, Sonics, Lakers, like there, the Western Conference was so stacked at this time, you would see this Phoenix team probably making the Eastern Conference Finals every year, you know, because the East wasn't shit, but it's kind of like it is now. Yeah, But exactly. Yeah, and it sucks being a Suns fan at that time because there was so much hype throughout the regular season all the time yeah and they would go out in the first round <laughs> or they would have like an okay first round and just get swept in the second round and you're just like this sucks yeah like, like what, what are we caring for at this point yeah you know? um but 98 99 he leads the league in assists and then in 99 2000 they end up getting penny hardaway which was thought to be really good well but. this is what in the preseason, they said that this is the backcourt of the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Like, you, this is going to be what's going to blow everybody away. And they were awful. Yeah, they were awful. Hardaway was always hurt. You know, it was really difficult for them to play together. So, And they moving for Penny Hardaway, moving these other players out, and then him not being in the lineup, they pretty much were just like Jason Kidd and three four other guys that were you know yeah just whatever guys just you know, guys yeah I, I think mcdice was still there at that time but yeah just not, guys yeah not anybody that could really help him so that's when i think he forces the trade yeah to new jersey to new yeah. jersey yeah in the summer of 2001 and everybody thought the nets were being stupid by dealing marbury to phoenix yeah. stefan marbury is also a good point guard at that time but no completely the reverse <laughs> Yeah, worked very well in New Jersey's favor. I thought uh, that was interesting. Just to to uh, talk about the trade real quick, he and uh, Phoenix has some domestic. Oh yeah, leading um, up to this, yeah. yeah, he has some domestic abuse. Uh, so he abused his wife and then went to like six months of counseling, which he actually continued for most of the rest of his life. The, oh yeah, totally. And this is like January two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. And so the right Phoenix Suns never, out. yeah, the Phoenix Suns never confirmed this, but they were like looking to get rid of him at that point. Oh, I'd believe it. And even for those days, it had to have been really bad. If you yeah, know, yeah. So yeah. they trade him to the Nets just to put that in there. <laughs> um, yeah, and he goes to New Jersey and he has like a new lease on life because there's like a young team there ready to build. Well, know? I feel like this is like the Mavericks when he came into it, but now he's ready to lead it. Yeah, like, he wasn't ready to lead though that Mavericks young team, but now he's ready to lead this young, super um, aggressive, you know, super high flying team of Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, Kerry Keith Kittles. Van Horn. Yeah, I mean, and the Eastern Conference is kind of like, you know, open. after Jordan left, it's wide open, <laughs> yeah. and the teams aren't like necessarily as dominant as in the West. So 
yeah, good things can happen, and they did for the Nets when they got Jason Kidd. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, this is where Richard Jefferson started his mm-hmm. career, and you see him being on a ton of great teams as a as a sixth man. You know? Oh, yeah, and then ending up starting for New Jersey. God, he played forever. He played forever. Right? I was thinking about Jason Kidd played for a long time. I think uh, Richard Jefferson played for a couple more years. Oh, like, my God. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and he's played for so, so many great teams throughout you know? oh yeah. yeah yeah definitely I, I love that about him uh shout out to you know u of a u of a absolutely um but uh so 2002 they end up making it all the way to the finals and then they run into the lakers buzzsaw well this is wh- where i i feel like people can be like nah the west wasn't that dominant and it was like they the nets were the best team out of the east and they came out of the east and got handled so ridiculously yeah like it was a sweep and the games weren't even close yeah it looks like they were playing a college team that's how good those lakers teams were that's why it's kind of sad to think that that was like the last time that that kobe Shaq kind of yeah i think that was the last one yeah yeah because they were just so great oh yeah most definitely but then they don't let it affect them the next year they go back to the finals yep and then it's the spurs and basically the same kind of thing happens. Well, it was interesting because um, Kid was, I saw him talking about this where they won game two in San Antonio and they felt like that was where they could really turn it around and win this series. Yeah, because they had and, three games in a row at home. And San Antonio proceeded to just kind of take back home court advantage. Yeah, they won in six. They won in at six. At home. So, but, you know, Kid at this point is probably at the top of his career. Like, yes, I would say in the Nets, it, that this is when he is without a doubt his best. Yeah, and because of this and his impending free agency, the Spurs want to sign him in the summer right after the finals. Yeah, to replace Tony Parker. Or... Which is crazy to think the domino effect that would have. Yep. Because, like, do you move Parker to a new spot? Like, what do you, combo guards, like, what do you do? Yeah. No, what it, team does he go to? And, if anybody could have coached them at that point, I, I think that the Spurs coach, uh, yeah, Popovich, yeah, Popovich would have done it because he was such a great coach. But yeah, you're right. They might even have moved Tony out and yeah. brought other people in. And it, that's the thing that you, you, cause the trade was almost done. Like they were in talks with him about it, but. Yeah, or no, I think they were going to sign him as a free agent. Oh, there's, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, because yes, he ends right. up signing with the Nets for six more years at $99 million yes. after the 2003 season. So he's pretty much locked in there uh, for a while, and the Nets start acquiring other players like Vince Carter, who was really good and in yep. his prime at that time. And in working into this high-flying, you know, like really a, a aggressive offensively team mm-hmm. but also a good defensive team so yeah it's uh yeah, they were a solid all-around team yeah they just you know had the misfortune of going to the finals two years where the team was just so much better than them well i just think the west coast at that point was just so much better they they almost didn't you know it was it was two different leagues man. yeah it was almost two different leagues but unfortunately the nets aren't breaking through in the playoffs any further in two, than 2003. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, kids still performing at a high level, but they're just getting taken out by, like, Detroit or Miami. Cleveland. Starts getting good again. Miami, too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he ends up in 2008 going back to the Mavericks. Yeah, I, think, I thought this was an interesting 
uh, trade, and they were talking about how many different pieces. This is what I thought was the the last one, but there were so many different pieces with this trade, and uh, like Van Horn came out of retirement to mm. to do a sign in trade and Jerry like, Stackhouse or whatever. Yeah. It was just a weird movement of money and players but he ended up making his way back (laughs) which i feel like he was kind of pushing for and the nets kind of realized like hey we're kind of done with this player he needs to you gotta unload unload money yeah Yeah. and just try again because he has this huge fucking contract yeah it's it's they definitely need to unload so he goes to dallas with a with a young dirk yeah, with a which is weird to think because I always think of Dirk is like forty years old, but yeah, young Dirk Nowitzki. He's always there. been forty. Yeah, he's just always he came into the league as a forty-year-old shooter. You know what I mean? <laughs> he has that turnaround shot. You're just like ah, seven feet. It's not even fair. No, it's not. It's one of that's a beautiful uh, turnaround shot because it's almost unblockable. Easily, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. To, but he's kind of a role player though for the Mavs because you know he's been in the league for like fourteen seasons. Well, this is what he's like thirty five. Yeah. Um. But he becomes their facilitator. Their facilitator, almost co- coach on the basketball. I was going to say because his basketball IQ, you know, even when he first came into the league, was just off the charts, which probably let him do a lot of you know the little things in the game and be such a great distributor. You know. Yeah, and be like a captain of these teams for. You know all these years oh totally uh, i mean i feel like since phoenix he was pretty much the the floor general if you will easily yeah and his shooting's improved at this point so he's a really nice valuable piece for dallas even though he isn't like the star of the team yes it's obvious that dirk is the the main piece which i feel like is better for jason for like the team aspect that so much doesn't have to be on his shoulders yeah you just be the facilitator you yeah. already have your star there with Nowitzki, and then in 2001, the Mavs finally break through after losing so often in the playoffs to like lower seeds. Yep. So they end up going to the 2011 NBA Finals against uh, the. I think it's the first year of LeBron. Yeah, it was the the first. Yeah. The first LeBron Wade, uh, Chris Bosh. Oh yeah. You know the the three or whatever. But yeah, they ended up beating him. Yeah, they ended up, and he won his first and only NBA title as a player. Yep. For them, and you know. Plays another extra season with the Mavs, kind of stays on, and then ends up going to New York and not doing much for the Knicks. Well, when I, what I read about it was the Knicks were essentially signing him as almost a player coach to yeah. develop Jeremy uh, Jeremy Lin, and they that felt like he was gonna become their coach afterwards. That was oh. that was a feeling that they had that ended up not happening because other coaching opportunities came up. They so. did, yeah. He was a pretty high commodity after he had retired, like almost immediately. Yes. And the Nets, who weren't in New Jersey anymore, apparently they had moved to Brooklyn. Yep. Um, they end up hiring him in 2013, like right after the the year after he's done playing. Yeah, which is, I, I just feel like people see his basketball IQ and they're like, this is going to be a great coach. Yeah. He's going to understand what everybody needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick little comment. He had a DWI arrest in, in 2012. Yeah, and he the, missed uh, his, post. Yeah, he missed his first two games because the the league suspended <laughs> him as a coach. That's so. a great way to start a job, right? Yeah, that's oh, what they were saying. Was like he was really bummed with that, um, just because it's just always on his record. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, he didn't even get to. He didn't get his debut. Yeah, he had to will. wait a little bit. Yeah, but uh, they ended up making the playoffs the only year he went there, and. They got to the second round. They won their first round series. Yeah, and they and, were not a great team. And but things were looking bright for them. Yeah, and 
kid, though, ends up going to Milwaukee the next year in a weird type of draft pick deal because so, Milwaukee needed a coach. Let me say this. The, he felt like the Nets weren't building a contender mm. and didn't weren't putting the pieces together that he felt like they could have put yeah. as a contender. So the Bucks came in and they were like, hey, we want to sign you. And he kind of was doing some back room stuff and like pretty much like everybody does though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like looking for the best deal for himself and the the Bucks went in. I think they traded a second round pick for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the Gruden deal in the NFL. Yep. He went from Oakland to Tampa. Yeah. Like you're trading for a coach. Yeah, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, it was but, worth it for for the Bucks. I mean, they really turned into a competitive team. They yeah, they established this Bucks team that we see recently has been really good. I mean, I think they lost in 2019 to the Raptors who went on to win the to the Yeah. champions. Um the uh the center that they have Giannis I can't pronounce it. I don't want depot or something like that. Untendant. Just the Greek freak. That's that's the, the easiest, easiest thing to do. But you see that they are they're one of the smartest teams out there. Yeah. And they have one of the better defenses, and that is pretty much all kid, you know? Yeah, but then, you know, he's getting to the playoffs but losing in the first round and not really kind of breaking through with the team. And by 2017, 2018, he gets fired. Like right in the middle of the season. Yeah. But luckily for him, another opportunity comes along, the one that he currently has, where he, in 2019, joined the Lakers as an assistant coach. Which I think is better for him as just a play coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not the, not like how he went to Dallas and became like a, 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 a player, not like the player. Um, I feel like this is just better for him, for him to just kind of be with the players and just kind of well, the job security too. You're with the Lakers. I mean, oh yeah, LeBron. They just won the championship. I was gonna so. say they just won the championship. <laughs> but no, I mean he had one of the most fantastic careers of any of the modern point guards and guys that we grew up watching. I, I mean, I think the triple doubles. Uh, we have to keep reiterating on that because the amount of triple doubles that he put up, he um, is the only player since Magic and Wilt to do triple-doubles in multiple uh, playoff series. Oh, and man. And I think LeBron has done it le recently. But you see what he meant for these teams where he was grabbing 10 boards or 10 steals and then 10 assists, 20 points. He, he was pretty much the backbone of these teams. Yeah, during his prime, he was close to averaging a triple-double for, like, seasons. Yeah. You know, and, you know, over his career, 12.6 points per game, 8.7 assists, and 6.4 rebound or 6.3 rebounds, and 1.3 steals. I mean, he's your do-everything Swiss Army knife guy for your team. And I feel like we're going to see him get a lot more championships as a coach. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. And he can bide his time and wait for the right opportunity if he wants to be a head coach again. Yeah. So, yeah. And we see that he can really build a team that can go deep in, in, in the NBA. So, yeah. Big shout out to Jason Kidd. Hey, everybody. This is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Totolo Dominic and myself, C. Quinn Comedy. So give us a follow all around. Um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much. <laughs>